Hey there, and welcome to Dirt Rich, seasonal conversations about food and farming. I'm Jared Lumen, the Soil Health Lead for the Sustainable Farming Association, and today I'm joined by my coworker Angie Walter, who's going to tell us a little bit about the technology that they've been experimenting with on their dairy farm in central Minnesota. Thanks, Angie, for uh, joining me, and welcome back to the Dirt Rich Podcast. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's it's always fun to hear. It's kind of something we're doing at SFA now. I guess it kind of came out of nowhere. Maybe it wasn't a historical thing, but we've been testing a bunch of different technologies lately. We got this this paddock track we're going to talk about today, and uh, Doug and Kent are doing some experiments with vents. And so somehow they, uh, you know, SFA got in the business of uh, testing and, and kind of demonstrating some of these cool technologies that we've got with uh, with grazing that are coming available to us, which is pretty exciting. But I want to hear just a brief overview of your farm. And before I do that, I'll just mention that you have been on this podcast in the past, uh, looks like on both episode 19 and episode 36. And so I'm sure in those ones, uh, you got a lot more in depth on your farm and, and the history and whatnot and in that. So I'd encourage anybody listening to check those out. But for those who maybe haven't heard those, would you mind just giving a, an overview of your farm today as it stands and what, what the business enterprises are are on that farm? Sure. So um, we have a hundred cow organic dairy. Um, our cows are crossbred mix, uh, three-way cross between Guernsey, Norwegian red and red and white Holstein. We also raise um, laying hens for eggs. We raise broiler chickens out on pasture in the summer. Um, those are also certified organic. And then we've been doing a couple of little things here and there this last year. We did some turkeys. Um, my kids are in 4-H, so they like to experiment with showing different things. Um, we do raise some beef as well, just for friends and family, not really to sell or anything, just so we have our own meat. But yeah, and the dairy, is that uh, primarily a grazing-based dairy or, or how is grazing involved in, in that? Yeah. So um, to be certified organic, you do have to have so much percent of dry matter come from grazing. So yeah, our cows receive over 50% of their dry matter from grazing. We own about 390 acres and um, we have probably, there's about um, 80 to 100 acres that would be in grazing okay. at any given time. Sure. Okay. So that kind of, I guess, brings us into this this technology that you're using, the paddock track, I believe is what it's called. Um and this is going to be as much informational for me as for our listeners. I've not been able to make it out to see it at a field day or anything yet. So tell me about this. What What is Paddock Track? Yeah, so Paddock Track was actually created um, at the University of Missouri. Um, and they are still prototyping and working on it. Actually, that they, they've been working now with Dairy Grazing Apprenticeship Program. It's a two-year cooperative agreement with NRCS. So... Um, we have 13 farms that are DGA farms across the country where the paddock track is on. So what it is, is it's a device that mounts to the front of a UTV or four-wheeler. Um, and it sends sonar waves down to the ground. And so um, in doing that, it would measure the height of the forage that's on the ground. And there's a little, a lot bit more to it. And setting it up on your farm, you have to kind of, you have to go online actually and set up your farm. So if any of you are familiar with Google Earth or mm -hmm. using the maps kind of thing like that, you go on there and you would outline your paddocks. And then you have all that in the system where you have paddocks. 
And then when you use the paddock track on your UTV or ATV, you download an app that goes onto your phone. So that communicates with the paddock track itself by Bluetooth. So when you are out in the pasture, you would hit start on the app and um, it would know where you were based on GPS coordinates. And then you would drive around a paddock, um, you know, in a representative sample. So like a zigzag or um, something like that. And then it would upload all that information that you could Mm -hmm. then um, go back and see. It will give you a grazing wedge. So you do that on all your paddocks weekly is what we do. And then it will, when you go look on your computer, it gives you a grazing wedge. So you can kind of see which, how many pounds of dry matter are in each paddock. And in a sense, by doing it weekly, you also are measuring what your cows are eating. Um, Because if they were on a paddock and you measured it, and then the next week you measured it again, you could see how much dry matter was taken off of that paddock. That's cool. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that side of it too, but um, you you mentioned that there's this grazing wedge that is that, what is the grazing wedge that, that term that it gives you on the app? So, um, the term is, it's like, um, it's a chart basically. So on one side of the chart would be pounds of dry matter. And then you would have all your paddocks lined up, um, along the bottom and, it's, it's a wedge that goes like this. So basically it's going to tell you which paddock to go into next, because that's going to be the one that's highest up on the, where you want the pounds of dry matter for your cattle and then going down. So you could know technically by looking at the wedge, the last one on the right side would be one you just grazed. Mm -hmm. So it would be lower. And then as you kept rotating the cows around your paddocks, um, the one on the far left would be the highest. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm I'm curious just because you mentioned it and maybe you don't know much on the history and that's totally fine, but you said it was developed at the University of Missouri, which kind of surprised me that a technology and kind of new new tech is is a university product. I would have assumed it would have been some company or anything. Do you know much on why they decided to develop it and who actually at the university, is it a combination of like an ag and a tech schools or something that are working together to develop this? Or So this is um, the university. No, it's it's basically some of their in-house professors that have been working on it and developing the technology and they've been using it down there. However, like Missouri, they end up, um, they don't have grass a lot of times for very long. They have sure. a, in the spring and then they usually dry up. I know this last year they were really in a drought. So mm-hmm. um, unfortunately they don't have much to measure, which is another reason they kind of wanted to get this out into other places because also up here in Minnesota, we grow different species than they do down there of grass and things. So it makes a big difference in what you're growing too. Yeah. Sure. That's kind of cool. So I guess uh, with you guys and your farm, what made you interested in using this? Why did you, did you feel it added value or were you just kind of wanted to help in some research and development or what, what draw you, drew you to this, uh, this product? Well, I think just, um, you know, learning more about it was it what drew us to it and seeing what it could do for our farm. Obviously, technology isn't always everything, and it's still good to use your eyes and get out on the pastures and look. And I just we just wanted to see too to compare it to what we're seeing out there and what it's gonna tell us, how mm-hmm. accurate that is. 
We're also an organic valley farm. So we're involved with some of the satellite. There's some satellite imagery that they're sending out um, Hmm. about grazing and measuring um, how much dry matter. So I kind of wanted to compare the two scenarios to see um, how accurate the satellite measuring is compared to this actual tool that you can use on the UTV and can see the differences there too. That's neat. I, I didn't know that there was that satellite tech out there either. And we at a lot of field days and when we work with farmers, a lot of times we'll kind of walk through how to calculate dry matter in a pasture. And and it's, I mean, relatively simple, but it also takes a little bit of time, especially if you want to get a representative sample of a whole pasture. Um, you know, you got to walk out and check a few spots and that's one pasture. If you have tens or 20, 30, 40, 50 paddocks, it gets to be a big job to calculate that. So I can see how this would be really advantageous for accelerating that process and giving you kind of constant real-time data that otherwise would have been very inconvenient to update so regularly. Because I know we always find ourselves with, okay, we're not going to be on this pasture for at least a month. Why why check it now? It's going to, who knows what it'll be in a month, but if you can just drive across it and get the data instantly, you know, why not? Why not have a constant update? So that's yeah. pretty cool. I think another big advantage of that is, especially for organic producers, we have to quantify um, exactly Mm. what we're feeding our animals. And this gives us another tool to do that. So, and then being able to show it, I mean, all the data stays in the system. We can look back at dates through the year and see Mm -hmm. what the pastures are doing, you know, in August versus September and that kind of thing. So Hmm. that's really cool. Yeah. I hadn't considered that. I mean, we, we a lot of times will calculate our grazing as like cow days per acre. And that doesn't really tell you how much forage is actually being consumed. It just tells you how many cow days, how many days per acre you were able to feed cows on or whatever, but it doesn't give you an actual quantity, but this gives you a a down to the pound. And, and you mentioned that you wanted to compare it against what you've seen with your eyes and what you've seen with this, this other technology. How did it actually compare I guess, uh, is it, and this is maybe only year one, so maybe you don't have enough data, but how does it, uh, you know, kind of pair up? Yeah. So um, just from this year and seeing what we could, um, it seems like the um, the paddock track is a little bit more accurate than the satellite. Okay. So, um, and or, or in a sense, different in some ways too. I mean, the satellite, it's kind of weird what it could pick up. Um, it was able to see where we had fences. Um, just um, poly wire fences, which I was surprised that it was able to pick that up on a paddock. So those kind of things showed up. And but looking up as amount of dry matter, it seemed like the paddock track was a little bit closer and accurate than the satellite was. Yeah. And did you do any sort of clip tests or anything else to actually compare the paddock track to like what really is, you know, I don't know, like an actual dry matter test? Yeah. So since we're still in the prototyping phase, we actually are doing calibrations Mm -hmm. with it this year. So we had to go out there in the different paddocks, cut the grass down manually with a lawnmower, weigh the grass. We use the coster tester to then dry it down and measure all the samples, which took a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. So since we're still in the prototyping phase, this is something we have to do just to make sure that the the paddock track will be accurate when it is Mm -hmm. available for purchase. But um, that's something that farmers, you know, who would buy it later wouldn't have to do. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. The joys of being on the early side of technology, you get to deal with all those things. But 
so I so I guess you did you, you you have been calibrating to it and by the end of the year you think it's been I mean it's pretty accurate then huh overall the technology works like it should once you've done the right calibrations or Yeah, I think I mean the so we bring this information back to the professors at the University of Missouri and they are going to form the calculations that they need to to make sure it's accurate. We have meetings with them monthly to still work on this. We still have another full year of the project. So we will be doing two more events here. We'll be doing a pasture walk in the spring and the fall. And so hopefully every time, you know, we'll keep learning more things and yeah, see what next year brings. Sure. So I'm thinking over my farm here and every year we've got, you know, we've got some of the old perennial pastures that have never been tilled and it's got a certain plant species mix. And then we've got some of the new seeding perennial pastures and maybe some annuals. Does this work pretty efficiently in every different type of pasture mix or even, you know, annual mixes and and can it calculate pretty accurately without, or do you need to do a separate, you know, I don't know, a, a big bunch of adjustments or how does it work in different plant species? Yeah. So when you set up your farm online, you actually go and choose. There's um, a selection there where you can kind of choose the three major species that you have in each paddock. Um, That's another reason they wanted to prototype it in different areas and calibrate because, um, like I said, we grow things here that they don't in Missouri. So I did tell them, too, a lot of a lot of stuff on our farm is very diverse. Um, and there's, you know, a, a lot of species, not just three in a paddock. So we're trying to get that more nailed down, um, getting more species available to choose in there because it does make a difference. So if you do change your paddocks, you can go in the system and change what's planted in there. Um, like say, for example, if you have a paddock too, that you're grazing, but the next year you're going to plow it up and plant corn or something else, beans, you can take that paddock out of the rotation and it just won't, it won't be in there for that time frame. And then you can always add it back in. So these are all things, yeah, you can, you can do on there as far as the species. Yeah. I mean, for example, we did, we grew some sorghum sedan grass this year, and that's something they don't have in there um, as a species. And that gets very tall. So Um, but that, so that's something that they're working on, you know, calibrating that because, um, obviously it's not like a regular grass. It grows a lot taller. So, Mm -hmm. so I guess walk me through the actual, like, like the actual steps. I mean, is this as the user-friendly and simplistic, like, what's the word? Not user-friendly. Well, just the, yeah, user-friendliness and stuff and, and the actual process of this, do you just, can you just drive field to field to field or is there a, is it a very stop, set your paddock, drive through Winfield, upload data, move to the next paddock, or, or can you just hook it up and drive? <laughs> yeah. So, no, it takes a little bit of a process. Once you get it hooked up and you want to make sure you hook it up, there's a couple um, things you want to do um, on a UTV. You don't want to hook it up in the back because you don't want to drive over the forge first and then measure it. So you always want it out in the front. Mm-hmm. Um and I know when we were looking at mounting on ours, it w- we had a rack on the front, but it was a little bit low. So I think you want to make sure you mount it at least over 36 inches high, just to make sure if you do have any grass that is that high that you're able to measure that. Um, I was told it can actually be mounted up to eight feet in the air. So that's how far it can go. Um, so yeah, you mount that on there. And then once you get the app installed, um, it's pretty user-friendly. So 
every time you get on the UTV, you can, I'm blanking at the word, tear. You can tear it out. Mm, sure. So you want to kind of drive it on a pavement or um, or gravel road or something where it's very flat and tear it. Um, so you do that with your phone and then you get out to your first paddock and then it's like a big green button on there. So it's pretty easy. You just hit start and you'll see it taking measurements. It kind of shows you a spot where it's taking measurements. So if you see that stop, because we did have that happen a couple of times, we've had some things we've had to work through. Then you have to stop and start over. Um, a lot of times something with the Bluetooth isn't working. But otherwise, if everything's going fine, you hit the start button, drive across the pasture, hit the stop button, and then it'll ask you if you want to upload the data. So you just select yes, um, as long as you have good internet. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you can save. And then when you get to your house, you just would upload all the data at that time. Okay. So it's it's very, it's pretty user-friendly. We've only had issues a couple of times. I know they've had issues with the operating systems. Um, some phones are Androids and some are Apple. Um, they've had some issues with the Android phones being able to load the software. So that's really been the only major thing. Otherwise, it's it's pretty user-friendly once you get going with it. Cool. So overall, I guess, are you pretty happy with it? You think this is a technology you would use into the future after this, you know, this project is over? Yeah, I definitely think it's something we would use. Um just to kind of you know what's out there, um, you know, you need to, as a grazer, you always have to be monitoring and measuring. And you can do that many ways. You can do it with your eyes and other things. But I think this just gives you a more concrete evidence of what's happening out there. And I think that, you know, for the organic part, like I mentioned, for record keeping, it definitely is an advantage because you actually know what um, the cows are eating, how much dry matter. It's a lot easier to measure doing that. And then um, at our pasture walk event, we actually had a gentleman there um, that was working for like the National Fish and Wildlife. Mm -hmm. And some of those lands now are becoming um, grazed, opened up for grazing. So he was there to see if it was a tool that they could possibly use, which is interesting because a lot of that um, they want to measure too what's out there and what they're leaving in a lot of these parks and areas. So um, I definitely think it could be a tool for a lot of different types of operations, not just grazing dairy farms, but. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. I, I think that would be really neat to be able to look at a, like just in one spot, pull it up. Well, after, obviously after doing the drive, being able to look at one website or whatever and say, there's, you know, look at all your paddocks and how much forage there is, you know, and it just tells you so that you can make decisions based off that rather than driving around trying to figure out, you know, where that is. And, and that's also, you, you're still going to need to probably do some, you know, driving and checking some different forage species may be fully recovered at a different, you know, mature at a, you know, a different height and may have more tonnage or less tonnage based on that. And so purely going off that is, you know, may not be the best thing. You definitely ultimately can't beat what do they say? Boots on the ground, eyes looking down kind of a thing. You can't beat that, but it's also, you know, absolutely sounds like a good supplemental technology to help make those decisions a little easier and a little quicker. Um, before the call, you were mentioning a little bit about maybe the timeline and the price for this, that it's not out available for sale yet. Talk a little bit about, I don't know, kind of where it is as, as far as its development and what they're thinking it might be as far as a, a cost when it is available. Yeah. So. Um... 
like I said, it still is in the prototyping phase and we're just um, trying to make it more accurate so that when it is sold, it will be just consistent. They, it sounds to me, this is a two-year project with NRCS. So um, the end of next, end of 2023, um, we will be done with this project. I believe after that, I would, I would easily say that in the spring of 24, it would be marketable for sale um, sometime around then. And just from what I'm hearing is it's going to be really an affordable tool. So anywhere I would say from like the $800 to $1,200 range is what it would cost a farmer. Just trying to think if there's any other questions that I have off the top of my head right now. I'm wondering, and I don't even know, I haven't fully thought this out, but I don't know if you had any talks with them or not on, you know, with all this data being accumulated, do they have any... I don't know. Do they have any goals of trying to use this? They're going to be acquiring production data on farms from all over the place. Do they have any use or goals for what they're going to do with the data? Or if not, I can cut this part out too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that um, I know that some of this data work and what's been talked about through DGA is we're trying to um, find a way to, to measure carbon like everybody else at this time. And um, so I'm, I'm not fully sure how they're going to do that and, and work this in with it. But um, obviously by keeping, um, you know, if we have more farming land in grass, perennial crops, um, that's going to keep the carbon in the ground um, mm-hmm. and put it back in the ground. Um, so I know there's that. They did have us this fall take some soil samples mm-hmm. off of different paddocks. So I think they're going to be measuring that too to see how the soil changes over the project. Sure, um, sure. And I don't know if they're going to use that to measure the carbon or what kind of tests mm-hmm. yet. They haven't really told us what they're yeah. going to do with that. But I do think eventually they do want to um, be able to use this data that they're taking to talk about carbon sequestration. So Yeah. Well, that makes sense if they can somehow somehow start to kind of associate, you know, this amount of forage production, like this field produced X amount of tons of forage, and then they have the soil tests to match it to say, you know, based on this amount of production, the average field will generate this much carbon. That would be neat to have because it may not be a direct correlation for sure, but uh, but there's probably some connection there. That's interesting. Um, then my last question, I guess, would be if people want to find more information about either the technology itself or or some of the experiences that have been had with it, where where would they check it out or where would they look? Oh, good question. <laughs> yeah, and if they want to buy it too when it does come out. I, I was actually Googling before this, like trying to find it, and I didn't see a website, but it makes sense now that I know it's not actually available for sale yet. So, Yeah, the well, the main website, so where you go to... I usually just Google MO grazing wedge. Mm. It'll come up. It'll say grazing wedge, University of Missouri extension. So it's grazingwedge.missouri.edu. And when you go to that page, it'll tell you there all about the grazing wedge. There's a video you can watch, a video you can see of the software that you get when you do your farm and kind of the, the, so what the grazing wedge will look like. All of that is on that website. Up there, it says programs, people, locations, events. Um, I've never really looked on here to see, (laughs) but those are mostly Missouri events. So yeah, that's not really relevant, but on that first page where it just has the, you know, the grazing wedge, you can, you can see there's a video and stuff there that you can watch a couple of videos on it. So, 
Yeah. And I'm sure as we get closer to it being released and, and you, like you mentioned at SFA, we got, you, you have planned two field days next summer at your farm to share more so people can watch the SFA-MN.org events calendar to, uh, to look for that. And I'm sure we'll be sharing more information as we get it and the connects and whatnot too. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Angie. That's pretty cool. Thanks for sharing. Yep. No problem. Dirt Rich is produced by the Sustainable Farming Association. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider supporting us by making a donation or becoming a member at sfa-mn.org. Thanks for listening.